There's a whole new manner of interacting at work now, especially with the rise in remote and hybrid workflows. The digital transformation was already well underway, and then if the transition was a campfire, the pandemic poured lighter fluid on it. Fortunately, lots of companies responded by making s'mores rather than getting burned. And they utilized the tools that were already there to help. Many work conversations now take place in channels on digital platforms. For the television generation, these are like CNN or ESPN, where the content is focused with a unique purpose. Sometimes there might be drama or comedy happening in a given channel, but the hope is that it's all for a greater work purpose. On this episode of IT Visionaries, Cal Henderson, the co-founder and CTO of Slack, and Genevieve Weber, the SVP and COO of the Salesforce platform at Salesforce, chat about how the notion of place, communication, and work culture are all rapidly evolving in the workplace. Since Salesforce has now acquired Slack, Cal and Genevieve are well positioned to explain the integration of Slack into Salesforce, as well as how Slack is fitting into the broader enterprise community. Enjoy this episode. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of IT Visionaries. And today we have another one of our special roundtables. Today we have the Slack co-founder and CTO, Cal Henderson, as well as the Salesforce platform SVP and COO, Genevieve Weber. Genevieve, Cal, both of you, welcome to the show. Yay. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. All right. Right out the gate. We do this with everyone. I don't care how big the company is. You have to tell our audience what it is and what you guys do. There might be some young developer right now learning to build the next great company who has not heard of Salesforce, not heard of Slack. I don't know if that's possible, but it could be possible. <laughs> Genevieve, let's start with you. Tell us what Salesforce platform specifically is, because I don't think everyone knows what that part of the business is. Sure, sure. So Salesforce brings companies and customers together. How do they do that? They do that with the Salesforce platform. Um, Salesforce unites marketing, sales, commerce, service, IT teams, anywhere with something called the Customer 360, which we will definitely talk more about. It's a 22-year-old company, almost 70,000 employees, and $26 billion this year in revenue. Yeah, small small little success story. You know, not sure if everyone's heard of it. Tiny. And <laughs> Cal, you are the CTO of Slack. I believe everyone knows what Slack is too, but we'll go ahead and tell our audience what exactly is Slack. Yeah, sure. So uh, Slack is a messaging tool for teams. It's channel-based communication that brings together all of the discussion and communication in your organization, along with all of the apps and data around the work that you get done. So it's for all kinds of organizations who, who build things together. And we are, what, seven or eight-year-old company, and we're now part of Salesforce as well. We That's just right. uh, completed the acquisition this summer. So uh, we're uh, all now part of the same family, Genevieve. Yay. It was a while. Obviously, you couldn't talk too much about it. But when we were when we first met and you joined us on IT Visionaries a while ago, it was like right before the Salesforce acquisition. I swear your episode launched the next day. It was like announced. <laughs> yeah, it was just just before we announced. So that was uh, back at the end of last year. And it's taken a while until we closed, but uh, very happy to uh, to finally be past that milestone. Yeah. And you both kind of introduced the company in this way. And it's exactly what we're all experiencing as workers today. For anyone who's in knowledge work, we are remote. We are working apart from our offices. There are some offices that are now pulling it together. That is slowly, it looks like it's trickling in. There's definitely some resistance to this. But regardless, you mentioned that you're building platforms designed to bring everyone together. You know, this was hard to do when we were, I feel, I felt like it was hard to do when we were in offices. I, I joke with my team that I think 25% of corporate America jobs are literally to take information that's available in one system and re-augment it so someone else can read it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. Talk about what you're, you, what you've seen in the last two years, because this has really been accelerated this idea that we have to bring more information together. It's more from more fragmented sources. We're using more applications than ever like this. And this doesn't look like it's going to change in any way, shape or form. Uh, continue, even though Salesforce tries to bring everything together, like even Salesforce, you mentioned earlier, Genevieve, with platform, tons of different apps live on Salesforce platform to help augment people's work because they, you know, because it's hard. You want the best of brief. Actually, that's the best way to phrase it. It's like you want the best of brief, whether it's e-signatures, whether it's 
inventory management, it's like all these different tools have to come together. Yeah. Talk about what's happened in your world on Salesforce slide to meet this, like this market demand really, or maybe the forecasting the future you guys were probably already working on. I don't know. <laughs> I'd love to hear your opinion. Sure. Sure. So look, I mean, a, a small thing called a pandemic um, has really changed the way we work forever. Right. I mean, if you think back to pre-pandemic, if we can remember back that far, you know, there was always concerns about not being in HQ. And for me, that was Salesforce Tower in San Francisco, this amazing building with, you know, seeing my colleagues every day. Um, we have changed our business model to a digital HQ, and that's um, super powerful and has allowed us to um, work with many more people than we were in the past, which sounds crazy. Hmm. Um, but with the idea of a digital HQ, and you know, Cal can talk more about this, but Slack is critical to making a digital HQ work. And so when I say that, if you think about using Slack, you can now collaborate you know, sales collaborating in Slack with a customer, getting getting a quote, or you know, um, marketing cloud collaborating with an agency about a campaign. Like all of that work that is now done not in person, not in the Salesforce Tower, but is done digitally, is so much better um, part of the Slack experience. And you know, I'd love to hear your opinions here. Like it was hard before. I thought it was actually kind of challenging even before. Like you mentioned teams and silos, like marketing teams working with their agency. Yeah. Marketing sales is actually probably the best example of all time. You would think they're completely aligned. Right. I swear they don't talk. Yeah. <laughs> I think, you know, in in some ways, the the like the thing that's gonna separate any organization that's successful from those that aren't over the next, say, decade is going to be the extent to which they can uh, like achieve and then maintain organizational alignment. What I mean by that is, you know, when you think about what's changed in the workplace for, for information work uh, type organizations across all kinds of different industries, disciplines, is that work is becoming more complex. Yeah. Uh, work yeah. is becoming more collaborative, involves more parties, is more cross-functional, is more, you know, kind of cross-business and between organizations. And it is not just the case of organizations being able to decide what's most important and going after it anymore. But the ability to change that as we get changing conditions, you know, as market conditions change, as, uh, you know, like world conditions change in the case of the pandemic, as competitors change, as just the environment in which all organizations operate changes faster and faster. The need to, uh, to change our orientation and be able to respond to that is more and more important. So organizations that can rapidly respond to changing environments are going to be at a big advantage. But it's not just about figuring out what's the right way for an organization to go, what's the right strategy, what's the right you know, way to tackle these challenges. The biggest challenge is how do you get people aligned around that? And if you're changing mm-hmm. constantly, changing faster than ever, that being able to rapidly get that alignment is the really difficult part. You know, you go back to you know, uh, 20 years ago and it was get aligned behind the mission of a company and that's not going to change. We're going to do the same thing for the next decade. That's and that's, you know, we're past that era and we're into the era of having to rapidly change as the as the landscape evolves. So I think that what we see as the, the big challenge, organizational alignment, is really all about communication. And communicating between people is just like a difficult human problem. And so I think that's, we see that as really being a core part of the, the product, you know, then the vision for Slack is how can we help organizations gain organizational alignment in a in an ever more changing environment and and maintain that, uh, you know, through through that chaos. Yeah, I would add to that um, productivity. Yeah, right. In this new work from anywhere world, um, we have no choice. Like the companies that Cal mentioned that will be successful in this new world, they need to be more productive and like. When I think about that, it's like such a buzzword. It's like, oh, did I have a productive day? I don't know. Does it mean like I plowed through a million emails? Does it mean I crossed a bunch of things off my to-do list? But then I think about like my dad's generation and like he's 75. And like when he first started working, there was no email, right? It was like, I had somebody type up this letter. And then I either like inner office did, if anybody is listening and, and old enough to remember what an inner office is. Um, but you like in our office, you, you use snail mail, you like mailed something. And if you think about like how slow yeah. it was to get things done in that, then you go, oh, productivity, like email, huge changer. And now you think about that in terms of Slack and like not everybody is there yet, I think, but it is like the next gen, like, and you have no choice, but in, you know, if you're not seeing your colleagues every day and you're all remote, you have no choice, but to provide them with um, productivity tools. 
Yeah, and Albert, and you you also touched on this at the beginning, right? And it's about um, organizations are using more and more pieces of software, and this is one of the also like axes of complexity. Mm-hmm. And it's you know I don't know about oh <laughs> don't know about you at your company, Genevieve. I guess it's the same company now. <laughs> but we buy hundreds, <laughs> we buy thousands of different bits of software from thousands of vendors. Totally, and we're not unique in that as any kind of large company. You know, no. mm-hmm. like uh, mid-sized enterprises. What's the survey a couple of years ago from Netscope uh, are buying about what was it, eight or 900 different bits of software. Yeah. And this is the case, whether you're like, you know, all in on kind of a suite or whether you're completely best of breed, it doesn't matter. Even if you're all in on a suite, that's 5% of your software spend. You're still buying from hundreds of different vendors. And this has enabled a bunch of things that we weren't able to do before. It's like enabled, you know, whole new categories of tools, enabled us to do work faster, more repeatably with higher quality, uh, you know, enabled a bunch of things that we weren't able to do before. But there is a downside, and that is that work has become way more fragmented. It's no longer mm-hmm. the case that work is the conversation that happens in the office and Word docs and Excel docs. It is work is right. this record in Salesforce and this change data um, in Workday and this case in service now, right. right? And it is, and the glue that puts that all together, which is the communication and the conversation that sits between. And I think, you know, the it's funny that you mentioned the inter-office kind of memo, Genevieve, right? If you remember those, the brown envelopes with the like the address part and the name part you like, like, yes. and, the, and the string, yeah. right? But um, yeah. email was just a completely digitized version of that. And that's why it has right. the subject line and the addressees and the carbon copy, right? And um, I think that obviously we've had email in the workplace for, you know, 30, almost 40 years. And it's like become the ubiquitous way in which teams communicate. But I think it's also, mm-hmm. it's a mental model shift that, um, you know, one of, the, one of the things we see the differences between like the email and the inbox model and Slack is that, and Slack and channels is that mm-hmm. in the inbox model, same as the interoffice memo is like explicitly addressed. You think I have this message, it's going to this person and they're going to, they're going to receive it. They're going to get it in their physical inbox, um, you know, and they're going to accumulate a certain set of knowledge. And if every interoffice memo you sent, it might be useful to these 10 other people. The information in it might be relevant, but I'm not going to send them a copy of it because that's an imposition to ask them to read this. And so right. information, like not maliciously, but information ends up being siloed and everybody has an individual view of information that of the picture of what's happening in their organization. And I think one of the kind of core things at the heart of the, the kind of Slack channels model is that people working at a company or on a team or on a specific project if we can get all of them to have the same view of that information, whether that is messages from people, events from systems, data in all of these different applications that we use, if we can get people on the same page, then it helps people get aligned, helps people be a lot more productive because they understand what everybody else knows as well, instead of each having yeah. these siloed views of what's happening in your organization. Yeah. And when you're, we were talking, we're talking about employees and like how we work with each other, right? Um, and we can talk more about like how we do that at Salesforce, but one of the things that's so awesome about Salesforce and Slack coming together is it's really connecting employees, customers, partners, systems. It's connecting all the things that are required to make a digital HQ successful, right? And, you know, supporting companies in the new way of working in, in, in the art of digital transformation. I love um, everything that comes into Slack um, from an app perspective. You know, I talk about like, I need Slack for my personal life because like <laughs> it, having everything, one thing, like, I'm searching my email, like, when did I order it? Where is that thing? You know, when I'm on the work side, like I get a notification when someone is, you know, at mentioning me in a, in a tool like Quip or like for this meeting, we collaborated using a Google doc. Like you don't have to really remember which tool is being used anymore. You can just go to Slack and find it. And that's one of the things that's been most powerful. So one of the challenges I feel like all companies that are in this space, building productivity tools are now facing, you kind of both have hinted at it. There's like there's information and there's productivity mm-hmm. and then there's potential information overload as well <laughs> as lack of accountability. So, and I want to explain what I'm talking about. I'd love to talk about how you both are attacking this problem. So one of the things that we see with information is we, information overload is pretty simple, right? You can really become inundated with information to the point where you don't know what's going on. The next thing is tools used to be very you kind of hinted at it, Cal, like tools used to be very siloed. Like for example, inside of Salesforce, I was a Salesforce user with VP of sales. It was very easy to follow from lead to contract close. Mm-hmm. That was not a problem. Like our teams knew the BDR, everyone knew what to do, mm-hmm. right? 
But then it's kind of like what you just mentioned, Slack was like, it had to leap a software, which is now the customer service team, which had to activate the account and they had to do whatever they had to do to the account and troubleshoot the account and how to interact with the account. Then this is before, just to frame it up, Jenny, this is before like we had like the case management system of, software, of Salesforce. And you know what I mean? Because you're like, probably like, no, you can plug that back in. You can just okay. plug that up. <laughs> right? Back in the day. But there are companies that, you know, if they don't have enough software budget that they can't build enough of the, of the stack, whatever the case may be, but there felt like there was like a, a drop off. You know what I mean? Like you, 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 your team figured out this piece of work. Then you relied on another team to figure out the next piece of work, whether it's like service or whatever it is. And there felt like that was a disjointed jump. Um, it always felt that way. And so when you guys think about attacking this problem, because you kind of mentioned to it earlier, like the bigger the organization, it kind of is siloed. Like you're, you're going to be focused on your arena and you got to be really good at it. Yeah. There's a lot of information happening around you. You mentioned Genevieve already. Productivity is a challenge. Like people feel the need to be more productive as well. Um, and we want people to be productive. Talk about how we're trying to make that a smoother, more efficient process. Like, how do you see this working going forward? Because noise, productivity, it's all part of this. Like, you guys are constantly solving for that. Like, it's, th- that job is never done until, I guess, work is just smooth and flawless, which we're not there yet, but, you know, that's the goal. Yeah, it's noisy. <laughs> I mean, one of the ways I think is with flows, like you just described, like, how do I hand off my sale to like my customer success team or, you know, my customer service team, right? Yeah. Um, you know, it's automation, it's flows. And that's one of the the great things that we can build. I mean, yes, we have specific use cases like Slack for sales or Slack for service, Slack for IT, which is probably interesting um, to many of our listeners. But, you know, when you think about Slack for IT, it's the ability, you know, to intuitively know how to do things in Slack, whether you're connecting and integrating data, whether you're building workflows and automations, you know, you're designing UIs. And so I think that that is pretty powerful um, when it comes to reducing the noise is being able to very quickly build an automation or a process that's actually going to streamline um, the productivity. Yeah, I think absolutely. The When you think about how kind of any amount of work gets done I think from a from a software design and kind of tools point of view, you know, if you think about the sales process and and using uh, Sales Cloud, you think about you know there's like opportunities, there's accounts, you know, you yep. you sign deals, you close a deal, and you know that's your system of record, right? And that's where that all of that information works. But if you think about what the actual physical actions are of closing a deal. There's a lot of talking to people. There's a lot of yeah. like, okay, yeah. well, I'm negotiating with the customer. I'm talking to the deal desk. I'm talking to legal. Oh, a customer wants these specific terms. Again, I have to go talk to engineering to see if they can actually deliver this special ask. There's a lot of glue that happens between all these systems of record. And like ultimately, there's a contract. It gets signed. It goes into a contract management system. Maybe if you have one, right? You do, you provision the thing. You deliver the service, whatever it is. But all of this stuff that happens in between is the, you know, is, is work, right? And, and that's just one example of a process, but for any kind of thing that happens in the workplace of any kind of like more than slightly complex organization, there's an awful lot of this kind of unofficial work that happens in between that's done by people. And it sits at that threshold of like, there isn't a system of record for this because it requires kind of messy human interaction. It's not complex and big enough that you're going to bring in like a consulting firm and spend a year and a million dollars of figuring out like, how can I make this big capital P process repeatable, right? But it's that kind of soft workflow that is a lot of what work is made up of. And I think that we see, you know, Slack and the communication layer as being the right place for that work to happen. And historically, it's just been like, you you know, back in the pre-pandemic era, it was you go to somebody's office or you go to the corner of the floor where all the legal folks are and you're like, I need this thing done. It's the last day of the quarter. Let's figure it out. And I think, Mm -hmm. you know, how do we in the pandemic era, but also we'll get on to, you know, like this was already a trend that was already happening is how do we do that digitally? And I think the communication piece is is the place that makes sense. And if you can do that, in a channel-based way instead of an inbox-based way and keep everybody on the same page, it just moves much faster. So that closing of the quarter, that you know, preparing your quarterly results, whatever it is, if you can get those people more aligned and in the same place digitally, um, then that can happen much faster. And I think you know, the, the pandemic has forced kind of all organizations of knowledge workers to work this way. Mm-hmm. But for any sizable company, it was already this way anyway. You know, Salesforce. Um, has the giant tower in San Francisco, but it also has the giant tower in Indianapolis Mm -hmm. and it has the giant tower in Tokyo. 
And, you know, it's already a global organization. And for anything particularly complex, already involves people all around the world who aren't in the same room. So there's already this digital infrastructure that's needed. And it's the same for any, you know, multinational company or large national company. But even like more or less, if you if you get to having two offices, you have this problem. Yeah. And I think historically, organizations have spent, and I know we, we were this way, even as, you know, company building Slack, have spent a huge amount of time thinking and worrying about their physical infrastructure of their offices. It's like, how do our spaces feel? How are they set up for collaboration? What are our meeting rooms like? What are the physical facilities we provide our employees? And not have not spent nearly the same amount of time thinking about the virtual facilities that we provide our employees to be able to work when they're not in the same place. You know, and that's this concept that we're calling a, the digital HQ. The, you know, what is your, sure, that was our building, well, it still is our <laughs> building where people aren't every day. But what is the, the place they're actually coming together every day, whether we're in a post-pandemic world or not, you know, whether people are still going into an office, unless everybody is there together every day, you know, in the in one single giant room, then we need that same space space digitally. And I think that, you know, the that is going to matter as much as physical spaces over the next decade as well. And that's going to be a big area for investments for organizations that want want to have that level of productivity that they used to have in person. Yeah. I think um one thing that's super interesting and what Cal said was about the human piece. Like there, look, I mean, bots are great. And actually I love Slack bots telling me what channels I haven't touched in like six months, <laughs> but there's always going to be a need for humans in certain processes. Like Cal's example was legal. And one of the awesome things about Slack and the platform coming together is that these notifications, like for example, I mean, what you, the example you gave us, Albert, about, um, you know, I'm a sales guy and like I closed a deal and I have no idea what happens. Like, you know, let's say your customer starts calling customer service and they're being hacked and they're freaking out because they don't have enough security. Like you want to know that this is happening because then you can go sell them security. Like, hey, have you thought about Shield? Like, it's great to protect your thing. Like, I mean, that's a, you know, purely like growth play, but that's, you know, <laughs> then you could just get a human, a, a notification that says like, this is happening and you can take action. And I think that that's pretty powerful in the companies coming together. So one of the things that, you know, in, I agree with what you're saying. So I work at Mission. Mission is a small studio company. We have 10 employees. We have contractors that work with us. And we also work with various agencies. And as Cal already alluded to, we have a lot of software. Uh, <laughs> you would not think 10 people need this much software, but here we are. We got CRM software. We got sales email software. We have website tracking software and the actual podcast players. They have their own tools that you have to, that you have to use. Like we got to support Simplecast and all this other stuff. <laughs> So imagine, you know, so we can imagine that scale is just pretty crazy. I've been worked at big companies as well. One of the challenges that we see in the new remote environment is this level of accountability. That's a, a challenge, right? Because if something goes to a channel, it's like, well, who in the channel is responsible for that? See, because like, like I'll go back to my VP of sales day. I would have, when a lead record came in, I had a routing system to say like, hey, Cal, call this guy. Hey, Genevieve, give this person a demo. Do this action, yeah. <laughs> right? And when you did the demo, I got an alert that said, it's been done. So I felt good because my lead got nurtured. Cal called him, Genevieve did the demo. We're good to go, right? But now as tools kind of transition to the point where we, we go in this channel methodology, it's not clear who's responsible. And I know you can build flows to determine responsibility. Talk about how... How do you think that's going to change? Are there going to be more tools to just, I guess, interconnect things? I know Salesforce also acquired MuleSoft, which is like a middleware play. Like, how do we ensure accountability? Because I've heard of companies that have, let's say, bad configs of Slack. Not that Slack doesn't do with the job, but they config Slack. So like, hey, there's a lead channel and all the leads just dump into the lead channel. Like, I don't know if that's a good idea. <laughs> like, No one knows what to do. Yeah. And uh, to be clear, like, if you have two people who are following up on those, that could be a great idea. And if you have 50, that obviously makes no sense. <laughs> Hopefully, obviously. And I, and I think like, look, there's, you know, historically a lot of software has fallen in the kind of category of system of record. Right. And that still ha absolutely has a place. And there's, you know, when you think about the kind of uh, the lead prospecting, you know, SDR, BDR, that's a business process that's, that works. It's not going to change, right? And if you think about the, you know, customer support, you know, if you you use uh, um, Service Cloud, use Zendesk, whatever it is you use, there's like there's a clear process here. Yeah, tickets come in, people claim them, they work on them. There's expectations that people pick up a certain number of tickets, do them in a certain number of time. However, it is you operate. 
So that's not going anywhere. But I think where certain kinds of work, uh, you know, certain kinds of work is where uh, interactions in Slack can shine. And it's the bits that sit in between. So in the case of the customer support process, you still have tickets, you still have that same level of accountability. But when you need to swarm on a ticket and get a lot of people involved because you can't easily answer it, that's where the collaborative piece works much better. And that's where it's like, okay, switch into Slack for doing case swarming. And then you're back into your, you know, system of record for completing that case after, you know. Like a major bug. Yeah. Exactly. Like when Netflix is like, Netflix is down. I'm sure that's like a big deal. Yeah. It's like we need to engage an engineering team. You need 50 people on that. You need the 50, not the two. Yeah. You need, yeah. You need to loop in corporate comms. You need to loop in engineering and the SREs on call and let the execs know. And if they're talking to customers, let them know and get all of that information shared, get everybody on the same page. And so I think it's, it's not universal, right? We're not going to see a destructuring of all of these kind of processes that are processes for a reason. They're going to continue to work as they do. I think there's there's some interesting stuff there of how small companies evolve into those processes because the kinds of ways in which Salesforce works internally, many of the things they do would make no sense if you're a three-person company. Right. Like, obviously it wouldn't. But what does that transition look like? You know, when are you big enough to need a CRM that looks like Salesforce versus like you're keeping everything in a Google Doc and you share it with each other, you know, or you're the only person and you write it on a piece of paper on your desk? And what does that evolution look like? Because even for, for any large organization, there's a bunch of processes, processes with a small P they do today that aren't yet enshrined and have a clear way in which they do and aren't happening at the scale where they need to be. And so I think, you know, when we think about the Slack platform, the Salesforce platform, it's, uh, you know, how do you start with something that people just do and have figured out and then gradually enshrine it in software and automation to make it easier, make it more repeatable, and then eventually make it scale up, you know, and scale it up to hundreds or thousands of people and make it super repeatable. And I think giving end users, you know, in the kind of Salesforce trailblazers kind of sense, you know, developers, the ability to go and build those things. Um, without having to go engage some big consultancy or engage some big ISV to go build that for you. But instead, you can, the way that you want to work, you can enshrine that in software and automation. I think it's huge, such a big opportunity. Yeah, I'd say from a user perspective, you know, Cal talked to you about like what he actually built into the product in terms of accountability. But from a user perspective, like when we first went all in on Slack, there was different pockets of teams at Salesforce using Slack prior to the acquisition. But you know, once we announced we're going to acquire Slack, we were all, okay, we're all in. And some execs were like, I'm not doing email at all. I'm just going to like do Slack. <laughs> and for some of them, they were like zero inbox kind of people. I'm not a zero inbox kind of person. So like people that like to clear all the- I'm an inbox zero. <laughs> Are you zero? Yeah, I'm, I'm an inbox zero person. Yeah. And Are that you? means all so these- like Slack can be very <laughs> stressful for zero inbox people, it right? Because you're like, I was having this conversation with her. She's like, how do you know when you're done? And I'm like, it's so freeing because you're never done. You're free. Like, you know, <laughs> you don't have, you, you can't possibly get to zero. Like you're, you're freed out. So freeing. And like, that's not the perspective of someone who likes zero inbox. Um, but the best thing is like, to your point about like being in the channels, you know, the heart of, of Slack is like, let's say you miss something, right? Like most likely someone in there is going to get your back. Like someone in there is going to like give the answer or give you a ping or something. So like, I look at the channels as like support system mm. and it makes it a lot, you know, more, it's just like happy using it instead of an email that only you see and only you are responsible for, for responding to. You're totally right, Jennifer. Even it's like, if you're coming from email and, you know, as kind of everybody in the corporate world is, you know, yeah. over, over a certain age, you know, but most people who, you know, have been in the workforce for a while are coming from email and there's mm -hmm. a different model there, right? Whereas it's your email inbox is a to-do list and everything in there has been explicitly sent to you and is something for you. And I think it is a, it is a different model and requires a mental model shift to the kind of, because it's from the explicit address kind of push thing to the right. choose to subscribe to channels pull model is that there is more available to me than I can consume. And I have to think about it differently and be like, yes, I am a wash in information. And here are things I'm going to care about here. Are, and like, I'm going to treat them like my inbox. Here are the things which are like advisory and I'll read them when I can. And here are things which are just like, I might look at them or I might never look at them and I'll feel okay about it. There's CC versus, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. And I think it requires a mental model shift because it isn't how you worked with email now just in a different UI. Right. It is a different way of right. thinking about communication in the workplace. 
And that kind of, you know, when, when email was introduced to the workplace and gradually kind of took over, that required a mental model shift as well. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, I remember in the like very early email dial-up days, it's like, what is the expectation if somebody sends me an email? Do I need to respond immediately, like within a few <laughs> minutes? How often should I be checking? Like, what are those expectations? What are the cultural norms? Now, were you a zero inbox guy before? I mean, like in the 90s, for sure. But my inbox has been a disaster for the best part of 20 years. Um, and it's, you know... Like maybe each day I might read some emails and, but especially because I haven't used them in the workplace for the last decade. Yeah. But I think that it, it requires time for people to build cultural norms around different ways of communicating. I think it was the same yeah. thing when, you know, the, a lot of what we've kind of built with Slack has been heavily informed by the rise of messaging in the consumer space, which is if you think back the last decade, you probably don't email much with friends or family anymore because you use text message, you use iMessage, you yeah. use WhatsApp, right? Mm -hmm. And when those technologies came around, it took us a while to build cultural norms and expectations around how people would use those. But now it would be weird if like my wife sent me an email. I don't know why she would do that when she could send me a text. Um, and, and there's different expectations around how formal that is as well. You know, and they're like, I think that's also another part of Slack. We might talk about the level of formality and the structure that comes with the email yeah. or prior to that, the structure that came in an inter-office memo, right? And it's yeah. uh, levels of formality. And the way you write email is pretty different to how you talk to people in the workplace. Um, it's a lot more, a lot more formal just because of the structure of it. Yeah, I totally resonates. Like I, when I think about it, Salesforce, we were using Outlook back in the day. Don't tell anyone, but we were using this product and we switched to Gmail and it was like anarchy. People were like, how can I organize my stuff? I don't know how to do it. It was pretty, it was pretty interesting. That was a huge shift, right? Because the, you know, I was an Outlook user uh, back in the day and Outlook yeah. users are very like folders and rules. That's right. And I have all of these folders and they fly in there, right? And you need to, to, to organize stuff. Hardcore Outlook users, they have more folders than like, like they have to scroll through them. You yeah. know what I mean? Like they're yeah. not, it's not even like visual. It's not like, here's my priority five things. You're not a power user unless you have like 500 folders, right? And then next <laughs> But then, you know, the, the Gmail way of doing things came along and there were like two really big important things with Gmail. One was there's infinite storage space. So you don't yeah. have to delete emails and get rid of attachments anymore, which is like obviously like a huge waste of productivity in the Outlook world. Yeah. But the other one is search is good. So I don't need to file my emails anymore because I'll be able to find them. And that was right. just like a huge change. It went from I'm going to have to self-organize. To, I'm going to have everything in a giant pile. And it's the same thing of like the shift from Yahoo, a directory of the internet, to Google. I can search for things and I don't have to have it in a directory anymore. And it's not curated. And I think that I was, totally. you know, that's a psychological shift as much as anything else. Um, and it takes time to understand that. Yeah. By the way, to your earliest point about uh, emails, I will bet that most of your email, if it's like mine, most of your email is actually forwards from your uh, mom and dad. That's... <laughs> That's <laughs> so the, my mom and dad still, I mean, my mom definitely sends me a lot of email. Joke of the day. My, uh, my, in, my mother-in-law will send me email, <laughs> but yes, none of my peers send me email. And I'm sure when my kids get older, they will not send me email. <laughs> <laughs> will it exist? But that's, that's interesting because one thing that I'm curious about that I want to ask Cal about is like, you know, when you were coming up with the idea for Slack, were you just like, I think email is dead and I don't like email and I don't want to do it. I'm going to come up with a new way to work. Like, what was your, like, was there a thing that, that we were like, I think we're onto something like we have to change the way we work. Like what was the source of the, of the founding of Slack? Yeah. So we actually started the company to make video games. Reasonable. Uh, so actually if you rewind like 20, 20 years ago, we started the first company to make video games and for various reasons, that turned into Flickr, the photo website. Yeah, yeah. So, sold that to Yahoo in 2005 and then tried to make video games again. They're like, we want to get back to the original idea. Let's do that. Yeah. That didn't work out. Turns out we're very bad at making video games. Um, <laughs> but during the course of that company, we were split between San Francisco, Vancouver, and New York. So we were like a distributed company. We're very, pretty small. And we built a, we'd like all grown up on the internet. We're very early internet users, very into kind of different messaging things, including IRC mm -hmm. starting in the 80s and then like the era of Yahoo Messenger, ICQ, things like that, AIM. And we'd always use those in the workplace. 
as well. Before anyone that was popular. Yeah, it was just used by used by nerds or like the messenger yeah. things were kind of used by kids, but not really used in the workplace, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we were using it in the workplace because we're like, you know, nerds. And, and, and we I distributed district that you had a digital HQ before a digital HQ was a thing. Yeah, that's definitely the case. And it's like, but all of these tools had big shortcomings. They were hard to use by normal people. And they, you know, they didn't integrate anything together. So we ended up building a tool set on top of at the time IRC to help um, our game development studio. And it was the people who weren't, you know, it was our customer support folks or our artists, animators, sound design we built a set of tools so that they'd be able to more easily work on the game. It's like share files, search history, be able to integrate it into our payment system or a customer support system or know when a server had died or a piece of code was checked in. So we built all of these tools over the course of four years of building the game. And at the end of that kind of iteration of the company, when we're shutting the game down, because it wasn't very successful, unfortunately, <laughs> we realized that this way of working together it was really good. Like we really liked that way of interacting. And we thought maybe other companies like us, we were like 50 ish people at the end. Maybe other companies like us would like that way of working. And we realized we, you know, we had a company wide mailing list, which we sent like one email to each year to tell people to enroll in their benefit collection. <laughs> right. So we realized that this was just a better way of communicating as a tight knit team. It was much higher bandwidth. It got people on the same page. And so let's turn that into a product. And initially it was for, you know, we targeted small tech teams, yeah, small tech companies. We realized pretty quickly that it works for all kinds of disciplines. It's a very universal problem, mm-hmm. works for mm-hmm. large organizations. And then also that increasingly complex work happens between companies. It's not just within right. one company. It's with your partners, your vendors, your supply chain. Mm-hmm. You're doing some kind right. of collaboration. It's a group in your industry, whatever it is. And so that's why we then built functionality we call Slack Connect. Let's use Slack between two or more organizations as well. So that's a big part of the product today, but it definitely started as like a, instead of internal email, let's use this. I don't think we ever set out with the goal, like certainly when we were building the game, we weren't like, I hate email, let's not use it. It was just, this feels more natural. And we just gravitated towards it. That's awesome. Yeah, I think that we talked about when you joined us last time at Genevieve, because they were developers, they, I think they built the way I, this is my description. You guys built tools that you mentioned, Cal, were good for you, but the way you worked was exactly how developers worked. And developers are notorious for working on more than one project. They work for their company and they might have a side project, maybe with another friend. You're laughing, Cal, because, <laughs> and when in 2014, I remember when it was time to, I told this story is when I worked on a side project as well, we were going to make an application. Mm-hmm. All these developers were on it. And then we had to decide, are we going to use Slack or HipChat? It just took one developer to be like, I use this product called Slack. It works pretty good. And it's free. At the time, it was free. We didn't, we didn't have to pay the uh, $2 a head for HipChat. We we're like, all right, well, let's use Slack. I think all of us brought that tool into all of our respective companies. It was eight people working on one app. All eight of us worked at different places. Yeah. I mean, so because you guys built it to scratch your own itch, I guess the best way to describe it, it like it worked <laughs> really great for people who worked in this capacity. I mean. Well, that and like the great user experience that they accidentally built. It's pretty amazing. Like one of the things that's great about Slack is it's like, it's so intuitive. Like you don't have to go to like a five hour training to figure out how to use Slack. Like when we all, you know, stopped using email as much once, it's like, it's a little nerve wracking, similar to like the outlook to Gmail transition. You're like, wait, I don't have folders. Like it looks different, but like you want to connect an app, you click on like add app. Like it's, and I think like Salesforce too is very intuitive. Like when I first started using Salesforce as an admin in like 2005, um, there was like a few tabs, like accounts, contacts, opties, forecasts. And then like, I remember I, went to run sales ops at another company like five years later and I was implementing Salesforce. And I was like, whoa, there are so many more tabs. Like this company's really been innovating. But one thing that didn't change was like how intuitive it was and the automation that it provided. So the next rise though, Cal and Genevieve is going to be consultants that figure out how to integrate this. Because, so this is, you kind of hinted at it before is like, just because you can I feel like I'm quoting Jurassic Park, right? Just because you could doesn't mean you should. And there's now easy to integrate and, and pull information in everywhere. And I think a lot of companies are rushing to do that because they don't really have an answer because maybe they haven't thought enough about how they do they plan to work now. So there's a rush to pull data together. But like there's going to be a new rise, I think, of like professional services of people that help build your workflow. Uh, especially for companies that don't know how to do it. Not because it's hard, but because 
they haven't spent enough time thinking about it. And I'd love to hear your perspective specifically on companies that have a physical world as part of their core business. So like, let's use airlines, for example. Mm -hmm. Yeah, your ticketing center can be fully remote, fully digital. Sounds good. But on the ground, not possible. You're going to need pilots. You're going to need people handling bags. You're going to need people fixing planes. You're going to need stewardesses and flight attendants guiding people and (laughs) unfortunately controlling the crowd a little now. But you know, that's that's like the new thing where I think I'm I'm curious to hear like how hybrid work models, how software is going to have to work for hybrid work models. Yeah, I see you nodding and itching at this one. I'd love to hear what you think is going to happen. You know, your example, I think, is like of uh, airlines is pretty complex, but it's like every retail operation, right? Every retail. Like every logistics operation. Every logistics. Food service, pretty much. Every food service company. You think of any like chain of stores, whatever kind of retail yeah. industry it's in, and they have a head office and they have, you know, branches. And a lot of the head office can be virtual, right? But like, you know, you're, the person who's bringing up your, your jeans at the Gap has to physically be there, at least for <laughs> yeah. now, until it's all like Amazon Go style or whatever. <laughs> right? So I guess that's happening with Whole Foods. But, um, you know, there need, there need to be people there physically. And, and, but that doesn't, but they still need to collaborate. There's a lot of information that flows between, you know, branches and sites or, you know, warehousing, logistics, whatever it is, and, you know, and the information work side of companies. I think, you know, a difference now is that, it's not really a change now, but it's a shift is that every company is like Mark Andreessen said, every company is a software company. There is yeah. like every, every company has build software, has a information worker side, you know, over a certain scale. And so I think it's, you know, how can you use the same set of tools for tying those together? And we see that, you know, we see that with Slack where we have our customers who are, who are using Slack in the field. I'm not sure which ones I'm allowed to talk about, but certainly like major US mobile carriers use Slack <laughs> at their head office, but also in every one of their physical stores. Mm. And that's how they can talk back to head office to get, you know, uh, like to talk to other stores to find inventory or to talk to somebody to approve a contract or to escalate a case or something like that. And it's, you know, how does that, can the same set of tools allow people who are kind of in the field, you know, to have the same level of kind of interaction, the same like physical case warming. Yeah. That presents a whole bunch of other challenges. It's, you know, the like IT in the field is notoriously difficult. People who are outside of your single sign-on boundary for your company (laughs) or don't have company-owned devices, right? Or like, is it, there is a device per store rather than per employee. And there's there's complication there for sure. And that, you know, that's a, a whole different area. But I think we're starting to see Slack, tools like Slack be used more and more across a whole organization for things like that. One industry I can see it getting adopted probably faster than others, and I'm just making a guess, I don't really know, is um, I would assume casinos. Mm. <laughs> because because casinos have a unique thing where, of course, at your average customer might be worth, let's say, $400 a night. But then there's a particular customer that's worth a million plus a night, right? And like the second they walk or even book a ticket, like I feel like if they're even looking at the website, like everyone's slack, like the whale channel starts going, you know? What I mean? like, yeah, like that's like, yeah. I mean, obviously, that's an industry where the successful uh, companies are very technology forward, right? And are making yeah. technology investment. Yeah. But I think yeah. that, you know, the thing that you said about, you know, consultants and the kind of, uh, you know, the, the GIs, uh, SIs of the world are to help the other side of companies, the ones that which uh, are growing in complexity and need that help, but aren't necessarily on the cutting edge of like, we're going to adopt all of these tools bottoms up and pick the best things for us, which are still more kind of top-down technology-driven organizations. And that's, um, you know, we were definitely early on, Slack was all about early adopters and people picking it up, trying it for themselves. Right? I think the the other big trend other than kind of like mobile messaging that we attached ourselves to is this kind of consumerization of the enterprise. And if you look back 20 years, mm. maybe 25, the kind of cutting edge of technology was in the enterprise because that's where money was to be made for software. Yeah. Right? That's where people spent big. And then we had this kind of explosion post.com boom of like social media, um, ad-driven revenue, you know, and the, the mega companies like the Google, Facebook, you know, Apple, bit of a different company of like driven by, you know, somewhat ads, but a huge amount of money in those industries, driving technology um, to be really, really easy to use. And most mm-hmm. people's experience of technology before they go into the workplace is with the smartphone and the things on it that are incredibly easy to use, whether it's like iMessage, whether it's Facebook or Instagram, right? WhatsApp. And there's an expectation that technology should feel that easy. 
And there was definitely a period that was still in to some extent where there's this mismatch between the things I use outside of work that are free are really good. And the software that I use in the workplace that I know is incredibly expensive is hard to use and confusing and bad, right? And gray. It was always gray. The the UI was always gray. A lot of gray, a lot of of solid borders. And it's like, because there's different pressures that uh, and different considerations that went into building that software, right? So I think one of our approaches with Slack and somewhat because we didn't know any better because we don't come from an enterprise background because we come from a consumer background was we'll just make software that is really easy to use and for people to pick up because that way we won't have to have a sales team and people can just (laughs) pick it up and try it. And that's how Slack was for a long time. We didn't have an enterprise sales organization for the first few years because we wanted to make software that people could just use. And I think past a certain point, size of organization, that's just not possible anyway, because you just can't <laughs> use software off the shelf like that, but also past a certain level of complexity or a certain level of, you know, kind of being a traditional company that's been around for a long time, you need help with that change, you know, and you need, you need, whether it's, um, you know, SIs, whether it's consultants, whether it's, you know, customer success teams at the software that you're buying, you need, you need help with that kind of digital transformation. It's like, I, on the one hand, I hate that phrase because it doesn't really mean anything and it sounds empty. Yeah. But on the other hand, if you're like, if you're a company that's been around for 50 years and there's a way in which you work and it's like, actually, God, everything's getting more confusing and difficult. And, uh, you know, how do we find our way through the, you know, through this, especially in the last couple of years, then it's like, that is a whole thing. It is a real change in how you think about operating an organization and, and how you think about business process. Yeah, Albert, I would add like the examples you gave, like in airlines, casinos, like all this complexity between like hybrid, whether you're, you know, you need to be in person with the genes of the gap or, you know, you're in a digital HQ. That's why I think, you know, Slack and and Salesforce coming together is so important because like many of those, you know, types of companies have relied on the Salesforce platform for years to develop apps, but Slack changes the game in terms of engagement. Right. Because now, you know, the pressure is on in this world that we're in where you need to be able to connect to high rollers and employees and, you know, baggage handlers, you know, partners as well. And it's an approachable interface. And then when it comes to like engaging them, you know, building apps has is, is never been easier with the addition of Slack. So we're super excited. Well, listen, I appreciate you both joining us today. It was fun hearing your insight on how work has changed, how you guys developed this application how and some of the stuff that you guys are working towards to make things easier for everybody else. I want to close with this one question for both of you. All right. What do you think the next thing, whether you're building it or someone else needs to build because you feel like, Hey, I need this. What do you think is something that needs to happen? And you don't have to describe the product, but like describe the problem that you'd love solved. That's going to make work easier in the next five years. Either you're making or you want someone to make for you. <laughs> I want somebody else to make this. And it is, right? Like we were we were quite a headquarters centric company, right? We had a few different offices around the world, but prior to the pandemic, we we're like, we hire people to work in offices. They'll come in each day, meet their coworkers. We're very like, we made the pivot. We're more and more distributed now with people all around the world, certainly all around North America who work remotely and will never come in, you know, never come into an office five days a week. It is incredibly difficult as a small company, even as a large company, to employ people in a whole bunch of different states and especially in a whole bunch of different companies, uh, countries. I think like the kind of international PEO equivalent of like, how do you make it easy to employ people everywhere and no. operate, a, operate a company that has like two employees in New York and one in Ohio when they have all this, you know, different employment law and insurance law and all that kind of thing. I think the advantages are huge to being able to hire anybody everywhere, but it's they're so difficult to do, especially as a small company. And I want to see somebody solve that problem so that any, you know, even if you're doing a startup, like you can employ people from anywhere and get the best talent from all around the world. I love it. I love it. Genevieve, what about you? Listen, continuing along the theme of like automating complex processes, like we didn't talk a lot about um, intelligence today, but that's one area that I'd love to, you know, exploit in Slack. So when you're working on something like right now, we're in the throes of planning for next year. Like how should we set up our sales team? Like what should they sell? All these things. I'm going into 50 million different systems and I'm looking up data and I'm like, what does this all mean? Like having the ability in Slack to actually like analyze and um, you know, whether that's a connection through Tableau or like whatever your data source is would be super, super helpful to me. Um, You know, I want to go to Slack and like have them tell me the answer to things. You know, I go into these things as like a hunch, 
but that would really help my productivity. So I want that in Slack going forward. So I am going to piggyback off Genevieve. I know exactly your pain you're talking about, Cal, because we use, we do it across states. We only represent ourselves in 10 states. I can't imagine across countries, forget about it. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't even know what to do, especially countries that require you to have a, you know, like you have a physical location. Like, all right, I don't even want to think about it, but I would love a tool in AI and we're not there yet. I don't know when we'll get there, but AI has to get so smart that because a lot of times in Slack, one of the things I've noticed is like, for example, in the creative realm, right? So let's say we are in creative. Someone posts, uh, let's say the latest video that we're going to launch to the market. People are giving ideas. They're throwing out suggestions. You're liking some, you're going to discount some. Fantastic. You got all the world's best recommendations, but now there's the information transfer. Now I still got to transfer all that information back to my, mar- you know, I got to take it, literally take it out, put in my marketing product. You know, if I update a record, I need to update probably another record. I need to usually manually check something to say like I've updated it. When we get to the point where the AI is like layered over everything we do and is doing that for us, like Mm -hmm. moving, like as we do information, it's like, this is the record to put everywhere. I think that would be phenomenal. So imagine, for example, you finish up your presentation, Genevieve, Mm -hmm. and it just automatically updates the link to where it was and like notifies whoever. Yeah. So you don't. Yeah. So you don't have to be like, we're going to work our way out of a job here. If we keep going on this, like we're not going to be needed. Slack's going to take over. Well, it didn't do it for you. It just told it just <laughs> brought the notification. Like, <laughs> But uh, it was awesome having you two on the show. I appreciate you taking your time. I know that at the time of recording, it's totally fine to plug this because Dreamforce is around the corner. Everyone, are you guys ready for Dreamforce? I mean, I know that it was like, it, it's been everyone we've talked to so far working in Salesforce is stressed out. Uh, but excited as well. Are you guys in the same boat? Totally. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a fantastic event this year, I think, and uh, very excited to see Slack being part of it. <laughs> us too, Genevieve, Cal. Thank you today for joining us on IT Visionaries. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much.